This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Well, what a great time of just pouring out our hearts to God. Just, yeah, what a great time. It's been a wonderful opportunity to say to God how much we love Him, how much we appreciate Him. And I don't think it was by accident that twice this morning we were brought to a point of realization that when it comes to comprehending God's love for us, it's well beyond our capacity, but certainly not well beyond our ability to think about. And uh, I pray that you got that message loudly and clearly this morning. Because God has such a heart for us. And, and as Heather just said, not because we're so cool, right? We have difficult time loving each other, don't we? Yeah, right. And imagine God knows us better than we know each other, and He still loves us. And uh, that's a testament to God's goodness and His grace. So now we're going to move into a part of the service where instead of us telling God how much we love Him and all those sorts of things, now we get to say, okay, God, speak into my life. I'm here not just to say how great you are and how wonderful you are, although you are. But I'm here to say, God, in some way, would you make me different? And I, gotta, I just want to pass on to you this morning just one of the great privileges of my week every week. Um, so many of you write prayer requests, and in the prayer requests, it's, it's just kind of a wonderful insight into what God's doing in the church. And for so many of you, you're on this wonderful spiritual journey of connecting with God and allowing God to speak into your life. And God's making a huge difference in how you look at life and how you look at other people and how you interact with other people and what you say to them and, and how you view them. And um, it's making a difference in everything from your family to your working relationships to how you look at things and uh, how you look at life, how you look at eternity. And, and I just want you to know, for me, that's a wonderful opportunity just to get a little glimpse into what God's doing. Because the bottom line is, yes, God's blessed us with a great worship band, and yes, God's blessed us with a great facility, and hopefully you're going to be blessed by what I'm going to say over the next few minutes. But the bottom line is, if you come for all that stuff and you miss God, Okay, that's like getting pie and only eating the crust. You got it? You want the stuff that's on the inside as well. Or if it's like me, that's like getting cake and only eating the cake and you miss the frosting. That'll tell you what I think about cake too. All right, right, here we go. I want to talk to you this morning about family. As we, um, as we get involved in this, for those of you who are first-timers here, my name is Ron, and I'm the senior pastor of New Life, and I'm going to speak to you for about 30 or 35 minutes about family. On the inside of your program, you'll find a half sheet of fill-in-the-blank notes. I want to invite you to take those out and fill them out as we go along. Um, it will help you learn. It will certainly help you um, remember more what we're going to talk about this morning. So... Last week, we had a little memory verse, okay? 
And I know that all of you went right home and memorized that, right? Sure. So if I start out, make allowance for each other's faults, you can just jump right in, right? Well, we're going to help you a little bit. You can read it off the screen if you didn't have a chance to memorize it, all right? That's, that's, uh, at church, we get grace, all right? So let's either quote it or read it together. Ready? And we're going to read the reference first. Colossians 3, 13 through 15. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. In love? Hello, yes. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. Colossians three, thirteen through 15. I hope that over the week you were able to say that a number of times. Obviously, I should have said it one more time, all right? Yes, because it will help you. Now, you can't help, as you read through that, you can't help but look at that and go, whoa, there's some very tall orders in there. Clothe yourselves with love and forgive anyone who offends you. Those are big orders. Let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. So how are we going to do that? Where are we going to learn how to do that? Those are obviously relational issues. How's that going to happen? Well, I want you to look at the title of the sermon for this morning. It is family. And then what does it say after that? Say it out loud, would you? Relationship school. Wow. I hope you see this morning how vitally important family is to the whole concept of building healthy and functional relationships. Because family is really our relationship school. In fact, let me give you a basic understanding and then three principles out of that. The first key understanding is this. In God's plan, the family is our basic relationship school for life. In fact, I don't know if you've ever thought about it before, but m- most of you would say, well, where are kids going to learn math? They're going to learn that at school, right? Where are they going to learn science? They're going to learn that at school. Where, where are they going to learn history? Well, they're going to learn that at school. Where are kids going to learn relationships? Did you have a class in elementary school called Building Healthy Relationships? I didn't get one. No. Now, we study psychology later to figure out what went wrong. Right? But wouldn't it be great if we actually had a course on the way into life that would teach us how to build and maintain healthy relationships? Well, in God's plan, the family is that school. It's where you're supposed to get that stuff. Now, three specific things need to take place in the family. First one is this. And that is... Dad and mom are going to model a healthy relationship for their children. Do you realize the first relationship that your children are going to become aware of is the relationship between dad and mom? That's the very first one. And that by far will be the most impacting relationship in in their entire life. Far more impacting than dad's relationship with the child or mom's relationship with the child. The child will be impacted more by dad's relationship with mom. Because children come 
with certain things already wired into them. It's wired into them by God. And one of the things that's wired into every child by God is as they look at mom and dad, relate to each other, they, they assume that that's how every relationship in life is supposed to be. Wow. And by the way, they have a front row seat, don't they? Yeah, they get to see the good, the bad, and the ugly. It's all right there. Now, does that tell you why when a marriage is dysfunctional or when a marriage ends in divorce, why it is so devastating to children? And and friends, I do not say that to hurt anyone who's already gone through a divorce. Okay, That's not in my heart. But I think in our country, we don't understand the crucial nature of that husband and wife relationship in the proper development of children. This is relationship school. And when mom and dad fail at relationship school, what chance do the kids have of succeeding? That's pretty tough. Okay. Let's go to step number two. Step number two is this. Dad and mom tutor their children through the process of developing and maintaining healthy relationships with whom? Their siblings. You and I wrote down underneath this, I wrote down two not normals. Okay? The first not normal is this. It is not normal for siblings to develop healthy relationships among themselves. If you don't believe me, just leave a two and a three-year-old in a room by themselves for a while. And you do not get a growing sense of peace and harmony in that room. Yeah. It's just not normal. They have to be tutored through that process. Because on their own, they will end up to be adversaries. Loving each other, but hating each other all at the same time. You know what the second not normal is? It's not normal for parents to tutor children. Now, I I shouldn't say not normal. I should say not natural. It should be normal, but it's not natural. You know what the most natural thing for parents to do? It's correct children when they're wrong. That, my friends, is not tutoring. But we're good at it. Tutoring isn't just taking out of a child's life what shouldn't be there. It's actually building into a child's life what should be there. And when in order to build in the good, you have to remove the bad, then you remove the bad. That's why I want you to circle and underline, highlight, if you brought a highlighter with you, the word tutor. Because that's so important. We start with a model that children can follow and will naturally follow We follow that up with personalized tutoring by mom and dad on how to build and maintain healthy relationships with their siblings because those are the first people that are their peers that they are going to build a relationship with. That's peer relationship number one. If they fail at peer relationship number one, number two, number three, depending upon how many kids you have, what are the chances of them succeeding at peer relationship out in the world? Not very good. Step number three is this. 
dad and mom supervise and resource their children as they build and maintain healthy relationships outside the home. Do you understand that relationship school begins way back long before kindergarten? Can you see that? Man, you've got to start teaching your kids how to build and maintain healthy relationships when they're two years old, three years old, 18 months. I mean, you, you can go way back there to when they first become cognizant of other people in their world. You can't take a child and just separate them and, and let them be angry separately and think, good, I solved that problem. Because the next time they come together, it'd be no better than they were before. They didn't learn anything relationally. Yes, they didn't physically harm their brother or sister. But she didn't really teach them anything. Now, the stuff I'm going to talk to you about this morning is so basic to every relationship in life. It is relationship school. Now, I, I, I had you write the words supervise and resource. Because one of the biggest mistakes that parents make, especially during the junior and senior high years, is they think at that point, all of a sudden, I'm going to tutor my children in how to build relationships. Friends, that's a tough time to step into that role. Now, if you haven't done it before then, you have to do it then. But that's so much harder than if you've been tutoring them with their siblings now as they launch out to build peer relationships outside of your home. You don't have to tutor them. Now you just get to supervise and resource them because I can tell you that normally junior and senior high kids don't take well to parents who step into the tutoring role and they don't typically respond by thank you. I'm such a child. I'm so great to have such a wonderful teacher like you. Probably not going to happen that way. Okay? So with that as a backdrop, let's take a look at the passage of Scripture that we have to read through this morning because what we're going to see in this passage is that children have a front row seat to six different relationship values in the home. And all six of them are important. Now listen, I'm going to fly through this stuff because I've only got 20 minutes now. We've got six things to learn in 20 minutes. So we've got about three minutes apiece. Every one of these could be an entire sermon. Okay? So, <coughs> excuse me, I'm going to give you only one thought and principle concept for each one. So Colossians chapter 3, verses 18 through chapter 4, verse number 1. Uh, verse 18 reads like this. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to those who belong to the Lord. I've already had a guy ask me this morning, could that be the memory verse for this week? <laughs> That's bad, isn't it? So why is it that, 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 that we start with wives? You know what I wrote in my note? In my notes, I wrote, you know, I think maybe God and Paul knew what it took the rest of us a while to figure out, and that is, Mama ain't happy. What's the rest of that? There you go. So maybe that's why he started with wives. But I want to talk to you for just a minute about what that verse means. It, it, number one, it means that mom sets the standard for cooperation in the home. Okay? Now, let me break that out for you just a minute. We oftentimes use two words together, family and unit. 
Okay? There's a huge inference when we talk about the family unit, and that is we are implying that the family should work together and, and, and have a great sense of togetherness and to be headed in the same direction and working on the same things. That's what unit is. And God knows that in any unit, any group of people that are working together and heading in the same direction, there has to be a very high level of cooperation from everybody. And that certainly is true in the home. So God says, who's going to set the standard for cooperation? For the sense of togetherness? Who is it that's going to be kind of the glue that brings the family together in this sense of cooperation and working together at this journey through life? And God says, you know, I've put that ability in mom. She's best suited for that. Now, unfortunately, that word submit, which I know all you women already underlined and highlighted, right? Unfortunately, that word has been sort of culturally ruined for most of us by centuries of a very unhealthily male-dominated culture. I don't have time to get into all that this morning. But can I tell you, it's kind of ruined that word. I want to give you what the word really means um, by definition, and here it is. It means voluntarily placing under. That's literally what the original word meant in the original language. And what is inferred is this. For the primary purposes of protection and cooperation. So if we want the family to work together in unity, what it means is that mom's going to have to set the standard by placing herself under the general direction of the family. And and she's going to do that for the purposes of protection, not only of herself, but also of the children and the entire family unit. Because if no one cooperates in the family, is the family unit uh, definitely at risk. What do you think? Hugely at risk. And for the purposes of cooperation. Don't have time to break that out a whole lot more, but I want you to understand how vitally important that is in life because, question for you, are the children ever going to need to cooperate with other people in life? What do you think? Yes or no? Yes. And are their children always going to be in charge everywhere they go? No. So important. We'll come back to that in just a minute. So that's number one. Mom sets the standard for cooperation. Now, let's take a look at verse 19. He goes straight to dads. Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Now, I haven't had any ladies ask if we could make that the memory verse, but I'd like to. Okay? You know how it is? I I think most often the husbands memorize the verse for the wife and the wife memorizes the verse for the husband and they love to quote them to each other. Bad deal. Okay? Now, if we could get that flipped. Husbands, love your wives. Never treat them harshly. You see, it's dad's job to set the standard for love in the home. Most guys think, yeah, I'm in charge. It means we get to do things my way. You know, 
Thank God I was born a male. Yeah, now you understand why that we've ruined that word submit. Got it? Let's take a look at what that means. In fact, we're just going to go back one week. I taught you about love last week, and we're just going to pull up a review, and here it is. What does love do for us? Love creates a mutual, mutual sense of value and commitment. And then we talked about what that looks like. And let's take a look at that next thing. It means, I will voluntarily put their needs, preferences, and desires above my own. I want you to read that out loud with me. Would you please? Ready? Let's read. Ready? I will voluntarily put their needs, preferences, and desires above my own. I have a question for you. Does that not sound eerily similar to the definition of submit that I just read to you? To voluntarily place under? Yeah. Now here's what I want you to see. When I say that, that dad sets the standard for love in the home, it means that dad leads the way in teaching mom and the kids how to voluntarily put the, put the needs, the preferences, and the desires of other people ahead of his own. You want to see example number one? Mom needs to be able to say to the kids, I would love for you to grow up and be like your dad. So unselfish, so kind, always thinking of others, always asking himself, what can I do that would enable that person to achieve what it is they need and, and, and enable them to experience what it is they prefer in life and enable them to have what it is that they so desire? I have a little observation to make. When dad lives that way, is he an easy guy to cooperate with? What do you think? Ah, yeah. But when dad stands up and says, my way or the highway, that's a little tougher to cooperate with. Yeah. So there's relationship value number one is cooperation. Got to have it. To have a life worth living, you have to have it to build healthy relationships in life. Relationship value number two is love. And you got mom setting the standard for one and dad setting the standard for number two. Number three, he goes straight to the kids. Children. <laughs> you know what the most important word in this, uh, in this verse is? Always. All right? So children, all of you who are teens and under, are you ready for this? Always obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. Hmm. You know, the way I check it out so far, nobody has an easy job. What do you think? No. Is it natural for us to place ourselves underneath other people and cooperate with them? What do you think? No, it's not. Is it natural for us to take the needs and the preferences and the desires of others and put them ahead of our own? Is that natural? No. Is it natural for children to obey their parents? No. But you know what I said a couple of weeks ago? These are commands. And the reason they're commands is if it was natural for us, no command would be needed, correct? We'd just be doing it. These are all things that kind of flow against our nature. So let's talk about obedience and what that might mean. Every once in a while, someone says to me, you know, Pastor, I've learned over the years, I'm a better leader than a follower. You know what I know? They're already a lousy leader. 
They're only deceiving themselves. What they really mean is, I don't know how to cooperate, so I put myself in positions where I get my way. That's just not going to work. You know, in order to be a healthy leader, you have to be a healthy follower first. And if you cannot healthily and cooperatively follow someone, you have a real misunderstanding of what leadership is. Where are kids going to learn that? They're going to learn. The best place to learn that is in the home. Which is why when mom sets a standard for what it means to be a healthy follower by cooperating, and dad sets the standard for what it means to be a healthy leader by, by setting aside your own personal preferences and leading to the best advantage of the people that you follow, the kids grow up and they know what good leadership looks like and they know what good following looks like. They know both. And you cannot lead well until you learn to follow well. So there's relationship value number three, learning to follow well. It's number four. Fathers, do not aggravate your children or they will become discouraged. I see some of you turning around and looking. Let's go back one screen so that you can get uh, the proper fill in the blank. One before that, and that is... Healthy leaders must first become healthy followers. For all of you sequential people that cannot relax until you get the right words in the blanks. There you go. All right. Now we can move on. Ready? Fathers, do not aggravate your children or they will become discouraged. Wow. That's a really, really important thing. Now, here's the important thing that dad needs to know. You know, the most exasperating and aggravating thing for any child is when dad does not lead in the context of love. You see, dad has to set the standard for encouragement. But when I lead the people around me, most especially the people in my home, and, they, and I lead them from a platform of putting their, their needs above my own needs and putting their preferences above my own preferences and putting their desires above my own desires. And when I do that over and over and over again, it creates a culture in the home that is naturally encouraging. It's the exact opposite of a culture in the home that's naturally aggravating. Where kids say, I can't wait till I grow up and I get a home of my own and I can make all the decisions. Yeah. That's not coming from a healthy space. Yeah. So here's that next relationship value, and that is the value of encouragement as we build encouragement, a culture of encouragement in our life through the context of love, then, boy, you're going to find everybody wants to be your friend. Imagine, you start, if we all start living like this, we'll have more friends than we know what to do with, which is exactly the way life is supposed to be. So now let's move on to the next, which is a really, really big step for us to understand. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. 
Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear for the Lord. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember, the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. But if you do what is wrong, he will be paid back for the wrong you have done. For God has no favorites. So what application does that have in our world? Well, actually, it has a huge implication. Here's the application in our world, and it is principle number five. Slaves get to set the standard for diligence. Now, in the world that Paul wrote this to and that God was sending it to, most historians believe that at least one out of every three people in the world at that time was a slave or a household servant. And oftentimes, many historians believe it was actually over 50%, that there were actually more slaves and household servants than there were actually free people in the world. Well, if God's going to talk about the family and these people live with the family, then he's got to talk about that. Now, here's what slaves get to do in their culture, and I'll talk with you about what that's going to mean in our culture. But basically what God is saying is children not only need to have a front row seat to what cooperation looks like and what love looks like and all these other things, but children also need a front row seat to what work looks like. Because someday... You're going to take that child and you're going to usher them into the adult world and say, I want to bless you as you go find your first job and work hard at it. Don't you love the innocence of kids in a family? Thursday night is grandparents' night um, for Monica and me and our three grandkids that live right across the driveway. And so we've eaten together and we've read books together and we had a special meal together with a special dessert and then I fixed some popcorn with some melted cheese on it and we just had so much fun. And It's time to take the kids across the road, the driveway, and put them into bed. And our youngest grandchild is Silas, who is three. And so it's time to pray with Silas. And, uh, okay, Silas, what are we going to pray about tonight before we go to bed? So we talked about a few things, and then he looks up at me and says, So, Poppy, what can I pray for you? Now, you've got to love that, right? So I'm thinking, okay, what can he pray for me? Well, I'll tell you what, Silas, tomorrow I'm going to go golfing. <laughs> now, the best part is yet to come. The best golf prayer ever given for me, ever in my life, right? He bows his head, dear God. Please help Poppy to golf hard tomorrow because that's his job. <laughs> uh, don't you like that? I was like, yes! <laughs> but, you know, not in golf, but in real life, kids need a front row seat to work. Maybe he's seen me golf before. Maybe that is a lot of work. Yeah. Kids need to know what that's like. Well, in the homes that Paul was writing to, where they all had household servants, the primary example of work that they got to see, dad went off to work. Okay? But the household servants stayed there and they worked. And, and, and Paul realized 
that the primary front row seat to what the work world looks like was going to be set by the household servants. And it's so important for kids to understand what work ethic is about. So slaves, you get to set the standard for diligence. This is not the sort of thing where, okay, I work when they're watching, but when they're not watching, I go do whatever I want to do. It's not the sort of standard where I do only what is absolutely required of me and nothing more. Because our kids know how to do that already, correct? Yeah. But it's learning the work world. Now I want to flesh this out for you because if you don't get the other side of this particular coin, you won't get the whole culture. And here it is. Masters, be just and fair to your slaves. Remember that you also have a master in heaven. I wish I had a whole morning to talk to you about this. Because this is so vitally important. Here's the principle, the application principle. Dad and mom set the standard for consideration. By the way, is that important in the relationships of life? What do you think? Vitally important. Kids need a front row seat to what consideration is all about. You see, all of their lives, one of the most commonly talked about concepts throughout all of Scripture that God gives us instruction after instruction about is how to treat, how to view, and how to respond to, and how to treat people who are less fortunate than we are. In this case, it would be slaves and household servants. These are people who struggle more than we have to struggle. These are people who are more at risk, either financially or in many other ways, much more at risk than we are. And by the way, just because we don't have slavery in our world, does that mean that we don't have anybody who struggles and no one who's at risk? What do you think? No. So how do we respond to these people? And God is saying, listen up, mom and dad. You have a wonderful opportunity right here to give your children a front row seat to how to respond to people who are struggling in life. I got to tell you, when I first read this passage, I always struggled with it. Not this one. I struggled with the one before. The whole concept of slaves and household servants. But you know, those of you who have traveled outside the United States, especially if you've gone to third world countries, you've been exposed to this. And the greatest exposure I've ever had to it was traveling to India. And uh, John Gaber, who has spoken here on a number of occasions, first time I went to his house, here's a household servant. And I'm thinking, that's unchristian. Although I didn't say it like that, all right? But I got to tell you, on the inside, I was, I was repulsed by it. I mean, that's just so unchristian. But that's because I didn't really understand the culture. And as I got to know and understand the culture, I, I, I want to tell you a story for about three minutes that I hope helps you understand what it means for masters to be considerate for those who work for you. And by the way, it has application in the workplace. It has application into how we deal with those who are homeless, with how we deal with those who struggle with, with, with mental disease and oftentimes roam our streets. I mean, it, it's got tremendous application. So I want you to listen to this. Where did that household servant come from? Well, as I dialogued with John and Kunyama, I found out that they went to a neighboring state 
where they had some connections, and they found a family whose children were starving, whose children would never get an education, whose children would be lucky ever to get married, and if they, if they lived long enough to get married, and if they were able to get married, they would be forced to marry someone who was equally poor and uneducated and, and, and they may never have kids. And if they did, it would just be this ongoing cycle of devastating poverty. And they went to that family and they said, you have a high school daughter. Could we bring her into our home? And she would be our household servant. And while she's at her home, we will put new clothes on her and give her a whole wardrobe of clothes. We will get her a good education. We will treat her well. And when it's time for her to marry, we will find her a husband who will love her, who will care for her, who also has an education. And we can help your family begin to break the endless cycle of poverty that has so enslaved you. That's a little different than what we typically look at. You know, John and Kunima understood this passage that says, Masters, be just and fair. Now, I've known John Acuna now for many years, and I think they're on the third cycle of doing that with different people. What a blessing. You see, when, when, when we get it right, when we understand that family is relationship school, and it's the primary school for our children to understand all of the dynamics that need to go into a healthy relationship then there is no better place. You cannot teach those things nearly as effectively at school, could you, as you can at home. I want to pray with us. Father, the task of being parents is huge. As you know, you're our Father. And we test you and we try you. And we who are imperfect parents are blessed with imperfect children. And it's a huge job for us to tutor them. God, thank you, thank you, thank you for giving us clear instruction. I pray for every dad here today that you would help every dad to to begin to grasp what it means to place the needs, preferences, and desires of everyone in his home above his own that he might lead in the context of love and be a natural encouragement to everyone around him. I pray for every mom represented here that she would be just the best kind of partner that, did, that the home could ever have and that the kids could see that she too has that same attitude. Then I pray, God, that you would enable us to impart that to the children so that they would grow up building healthy relationships, working hard, and living in ways toward those who struggle in life and are less fortunate living in ways that are kind and considerate. Father, would you help us to that end, I pray.
In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.